When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Goodness Willikers, this year is not the best that I've experienced. I'm Robert Golly. Evans. Gee, heck and jam. I couldn't agree more. I'm Cody Johnston. And Golly, guys, I think it's going pretty well. I'm Katie Stoll, that is. Well, I guess we should spend the next hour or so discussing whether or not this year's very good or not, since clearly that question hasn't been answered by the title of the show. Mm-mm. We're no. still yeah. we're grappling yeah. with it. Quick poll. Yeah. Quick poll in the chat. Good year? No. Le- less than good? In. Yeah. In. Like in. if it like if it's good, retweet if it's not. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get on to the actual subject of yeah. the episode that we're doing today, so that today we'll have an episode. <laughs> we love having episodes, don't we, folks? Eloquently you, put. K- Katie. Cody, what do you, how do you, what's your opinion on QAnon? Uh, jury's still out, I think. Oh, you think so? They've You're got to. <laughs> I, I think it's dangerous and sad. Yeah, that's I'm, probably. Those are, my, those are the two words I would use uh, I would if I had to pick two. Try to make some joke, but uh, no, I, dangerous and sad and um, Disturbing alarming. and depressing. Yeah, all yeah. of the above. And well, hard to completely understand. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very complicated and very frustrating yeah. and very very dangerous. And uh, I think what's what's something that I think I want to highlight is that it took a long time for everybody in like the mainstream media to start to get on the same page about number one, QAnon being worth talking about, and number two, the fact that right. actually this is a very important story. Uh, and today, yeah. our guest is somebody who, for the last, like, I don't know, since I've known her, which is close to four years now, 
has been like repeatedly yelling at the entire world to please pay attention to what the hell is happening with QAnon because it's important and dangerous and terrifying. And she was yelling about that years ago when the only people who were close to the mainstream and talking about QAnon would just make fun of it. Um, and now that there's like 20 people who might wind up in Congress who are tied to it one way or the other, um, she's she's still trying to warn people. Uh, this is Sarah Hightower. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm Sarah Hightower. I am a Voltron of sadness and compassion, and I That's told you good. so. Yeah, you did tell me we so. Um, yeah. And what do you? What do you? Let, let's let, let's let's go back in time a little bit, Sarah. When did you realize? Because obviously, like QAnon, you know, starts happening in this weird, like it's a it's a four chan thing where like people the mm -hmm. drops start going up and this like weird little community starts to form. At what point were you like, ah, oh, this is going to be a problem? Because the internet has all, all sorts of weird little communities, and most of them don't wind up potentially putting twenty people in Congress. So, at what point were you like, this this is an issue? Yeah, mid to late twenty eighteen. Uh, shortly, I think, uh, after the uh, Om Shirikyo executions. So that would have been a little bit after July. Uh, let's see, you had uh, the, the visibility at the Trump rally. You had the Hoover Dam standoff. And I had a friend I know in real life who came to me and asked me for help because her uh, her parents weren't talking to her anymore. They were just watching YouTube videos about QAnon. And it's, I, I think you didn't just mention Aum Shinrikyo for... Um... Uh, for no reason there. You've drawn a number of comparisons between, and, and, and for folks who are listening, we've never covered this in Behind the Bastards or anything, but uh, I guess a brief overview of Aum Shinrikyo is that they were kind of a um, an apocalyptic cult uh, that gained an enormous amount of power, including some political power in Japan, uh, made some very uh, dangerous weapons, carried out a number of attacks, uh, including a sarin gas attack on the Tokyo subway, that would be yes. kind of the 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 barest cliff's notes. You have mentioned repeatedly a lot of similarities you see between uh, Aum and and QAnon. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, but first of all, I kind of um, it's important to correct you. Uh, they 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 had some people who had sort of infiltrated like police departments and things like that. But uh, when they ran uh, candidates for the House elections, so like the Japanese Congress elections in like 1990, that they lost. All 25 of their people lost, obviously. So uh, QAnon so is... QAnon's already doing better. <laughs> yeah, Good yeah. Good job, QAnon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, let's see. That's sorry, not well, a great question. sign. No, yeah. it's really not. I'm very concerned. <laughs> but you're asking about the, the similarities that I see in between yeah. something like Oom and QAnon. Okay, mm -hmm. well, there's the cultic milieu, obviously. And the fact that they're they're both uh, sort of apocalyptic, uh, theopolitical, uh, high demand groups—they're very cultic, very absolutist in nature, and at the core of of the radical belief system. Like when you really start to peel it back and you really start to dig through it, it's uh, it's very anti-Semitic. Mm. They rely on the same anti-Semitic canards. It's the, the Kabul, the deep state, the swamp, the Illuminati, them. Just pretend up at the little triple brackets if you get where I'm coming from. So yeah, no, it's the, there are a lot of similarities. You don't have to have a physical compound to be a cultic organization. And yeah, I, and you don't have to have really a cult leader. Like I think there's a lot of folks who don't understand it well who place a lot of importance on figuring out who Q is. And I guess maybe there was a point at which that would have mattered. Um, 
But I honestly don't even know if that's true, and it certainly doesn't matter now. I think it does. You think it does? Like in terms of like actually stopping it, what is the what would be the value of like figuring out who this guy is? I mean, or the lady guy, or whatever. I, the guy posting now. You know, the people posting yeah. this to now. Yeah, the individuals, because it seems like it's more than one of them. Certainly. I mean, the 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 theory, the working theory, and the one that I personally ascribe to is that uh, it's changed hands over the past few years. And uh, if you look at who's uh, yep. running. Eight Kuhn. It's uh, I yeah. think that's the person doing Q now, but we'll get into that later. I'm I'm working on something about that. But uh, you're asking what the value might be in actually knowing. Well, Dude, in terms you don't of actually, you don't, wanna, you don't want to profile the cult leader. You don't want to maybe I, get inside their head. I, I mean, think there might be a use in doing that for um for the sake of like a good history. But do you think that's actually going to help in? taking in, in like in de-radicalizing this this situation and actually like like dealing with the cult itself like at this point nobody's going to believe you if you say that the that that like nobody who's affected by q i don't think would believe you if you yeah. like you you point out this person did it or this person mm-hmm. did it like from a perspective of making this less dangerous right i know yeah and you're right about that but i, I still think that there's there's value in figuring out who all has posted as q and just how this thing grew, who's controlling it now. Because, I mean, we're on the outside. We got work to do. I want to know. So, yeah, I, I like, I, I shouldn't have said there's no point in figuring it out, but I don't think it, I don't think it would stop what's happening, right? Like, I think there's an, right. I, there's a belief that, like, if you figure out who Q is, then you can tell people, hey, look, this person who's clearly oh, yeah, no. a grifter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not it's, like, yeah, it's it. like asking Donald Trump to like denounce Q and he says, sure. And then, like, that's not going to do anything. Like, no, <laughs> you know. No, because at this point, uh, one of the things that they say, like the cultic jargon, like one of the thought terminating cliches that they say a lot is disinformation is necessary. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's like uh, one of the oh, underpinnings God. of the movement. Uh-huh. I remember when Which is that terrifying. Yeah. I think Travis, like Travis knew that it was going to be Travis, bad. Travis it's view his... of the QAnon Anonymous yeah. podcast. Travis. Yeah. yeah. So how do you, you want, do you want to walk us through in your mind how this kind of, a, like I, one of the questions that I have when I'm trying to like analyze this, this, this cult, this massive problem that we're all dealing with is like, why, what, what aspects of like the culture, I guess, uh, of QAnon, the cultic milieu that you've got going on here, like what aspects of it allowed it to reach its state of prominence to kind of escape? Because you've got this like Petri dish, this internet Petri dish of these, all these different communities and subcultures. And most of them don't rise to the level where we need to be concerned about them, right? Um, And QAnon grew in is growing into something um but it's it's certainly like it it got through that great filter sort of situation what is it about QAnon that you think let it get out so like so to speak let it escape let it break its its bonds i mean i don't want to compare it to something like the quote-unquote alt-right yeah like it's just there and it keeps growing and people find their way into it and then people start to red pill others that's why i'm comparing it to the alt-right because then QAnon and i i showed you one of the first conversations we had i was showing you these screen caps on the 8chan boards and they were literally teaching boomers how to red pill their families and stuff like it's yeah that was terrifying what what is it about 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it was the beginning of a hierarchy even uh, with the mean squads and stuff. But look, Robert, man, I don't really know how to answer that question because I've just been watching it and like kind of pulling my hair out and freaking out because it looks like ohm. It looks like the quote unquote alt-right. It looks like any any predatory group that just keeps reaching out and getting more people. And the thing about QAnon, it's very fluid. It's like a little Katamari ball. You can yeah. get your little new agers and your yoga mm-hmm. people. It doesn't always have to be your quote, like your red hats or whatever. Right. No, it, it doesn't even have to be Americans. Mm-mm, no, no. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Now, like everybody, I mean, all the methods that they're using are obviously uh, online. That's it, why it's so effective and the misinformation and connecting all these people. And now, so many people are stuck inside. I feel like that's really exacerbating. Yeah, the, there's actually the, the quite a it. bit of data on how the shutdown has helped things to grow. Um, that's mm-hmm. been coming out for a while. I mean, yeah, and then it gets just conflated with other things and other conspiracies, and it's just such an entryway. I point to those doctor videos of as being entryways for a lot of people. Um, the uh, the demon looking into conspiracy. Yes, and then looking into conspiracy theories, and and I've mentioned it on the show before. People yeah. that not necessarily I respect, but like people that I've known in my life, being uh, lured in by this, it's alarming. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal reports that the average membership in ten large public QAnon Facebook groups grew by six hundred percent from March through July. Oh God! Yeah, yeah that's expected and upsetting. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's all organic. I mean, obviously, right? Like, there's no way. But that's yeah, but I guess what what if, so because I I agree with you. I don't think it's all organic. But there is a question of like what aspects of this are organic and just sort of how the internet and social media works, and what aspects aren't, and and then to what extent are they inorganic? Are they inorganic in that you've got because like one one thing that I see as a definite inorganic factor in QAnon's growth is the fact that. It was pretty clear early on to Facebook and to some other social media sites that there was money to be made in this. And so mm-hmm. aspects of their recommendation algorithm and stuff um, really uh, rewarded QAnon content because of the money. And that helped this thing grow. But I also suspect that there's like that's kind of like the soulless cash oriented uh, 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 aspect of it. But there's mm-hmm. there's more going on, and I, I'm curious, like what what aspects in your head, what, what what do you think is inorganic here? Like, what do you what are the things that kind of you're looking towards? That's uh, I'll put it to you like this: if you wanted to start problems, if for any reason it was in your best interest to I don't know, kick up some dirt, maybe get some civil unrest going. I mean, look at that. Look at that little fracture. You just have to apply pressure to that, right? Right. So the fracture keeps growing, right? Yep. And that could be domestic interests. It could be a state interests. It could be anything, really. Uh, you know that there are multiple groups with multiple interests and uh, maybe not the best interests for us. And that's really all I'm going to say about that right now. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's there's... interests converge, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when and I think this is kind of the important thing when you think about sort of foreign meddling in the election um, or just sort of like culture jamming within the United States. um, And obviously like 
now that's all turned into there's aspects of it that have kind of evolved into their own conspiracy theory but like there is a real problem there and i like yes. the way that you you visualize it as sort of like it's hydraulic fracturing of a culture right like it's you you find this crack in the skin of the culture and then you just start pumping uh uh fluid into it um until it you know it releases the cultural gasoline okay the the, the fracking <laughs> metaphor breaks down at a certain so point so it's good yeah yeah think about it like a bone like yeah Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year. Equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Um, you were the first person who like made convinced me that okay, this is a, a serious problem, and it's only going to become a more serious problem. Um, you've been yelling at people um, about QAnon for quite a while, and I, I think very um, perceptively um, yelling about QAnon. Um, what do you want? people to know like here's like w w what is it that you would like an audience of folks who probably haven't given too much thought to this other than like every you know couple of weeks reading another story and growing increasingly concerned so like not people who reject it but people who i think like most of our readers have just kind of been like what is happening with this this appears to be a problem what can be done about it what do you want those people what do you what, what are kind of like the most important things for them to know I, I think just simply mocking the followers 
Sure. It, it does more damage than it, than it helps. I think really the mm-hmm. only person uh, that, you know, benefits from just mocking followers, people mocking the followers because they get to feel, you know, superior to someone. Nobody is immune to propaganda. Nobody is immune to persuasion or undue influence. So the thing is, like, people like to say, like, well, I'd never end up in a cult. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could. Maybe not this one. But if you find yourself the wrong place at the wrong time and the right person saying the right things, you actually easily could end up in a cult. Yeah. You could end up in an abusive relationship. It's the same sort of abusive dynamics. Yeah. That's the lesson hot yoga has to teach all of us. Uh, <laughs> oh, and Shirikyo started out as a hot yoga studio in Shibuya in 1984, actually. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really important point um, well, that we keep relearning in different ways, or I do over the past year, is uh, yeah, mocking people or coming at it from the wrong angle just puts other people's defenses up. They They get even more dug in to something uh if you immediately just consider them you know unreliable robert like you were talking about like you and i like we go back right yes and like i started like convincing you and some people about the do you remember like uh thanksgiving around the holidays 2018 oh no uh, i would have been drunk the whole like four month period there oh yeah i mean i was too but see there was this there was this kind of trend especially on thanksgiving on left twitter circles and weird twitter circles and you know oh yeah 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 yeah. mocking mocking yeah they're sad meals yeah 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 people would talk about how like their 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 family wasn't talking to them anymore because they're into QAnon, and there would be folks who were just like laughing about that and taking great yeah. Right, or like now, yeah, I'm so grateful I get to eat my delicious meal with all of you Q people, and it's like a piece of yeah. bread and a cold uh-huh. hot dog, and it's like, yeah, you can look at it and go, that's, I guess that's funny, but like, it's very sad, uh, they're very vulnerable, isolated, lonely people, and so of course they're uh, finding that community there, and if you just do that, and you just make fun of them, uh, they're going to be pushed even closer together. And also, if you're just mocking them, you're also mocking uh, the family members that are losing loved ones to a, an internet death cult. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's, there are a lot of people, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it also does kind of strike me, there's a way you can kind of draw this back. Like, I, I made a, a comment about hot yoga earlier, and it's actually, it wasn't even because of Aum, it was because of the Bikram guy, who also was a bit of a cult leader. Um, yeah. There's a documentary about that, too. But, like, one of the reasons I think that worked, and I, I'm assuming it, it had some of the same things to do with like why it worked with Aum, is that doing hot yoga is kind of like a mind-altering experience. Um, and yes. when you're in a state where your mind is altered, charismatic individuals um, are capable of having more of an impact on you. And mm-hmm. if you're trapped in your house alone and increasingly isolated from your family, you know th- this is even more the case now that we're in a pandemic which is why you've seen it grow so much. But like, that's a mind altering state of affairs too. being abandoned by your family is like, like, and that draws you in and makes things that maybe you would never have done before seem like reasonable things to do, which there was a really good analysis done of the QAnon fellow who um took his family on that terrifying drive, trying to flee from the police and um like very nearly got some of them killed. And somebody like walked through his radicalization, um, process and it was like a month or two 
you know, between when he started watching QAnon content and when he attempted to like flee from a police, like police chasing him in a car with his kids and like risked all of their lives. Like it was a, a very short period of time that this person got radicalized. And it's like, that's not a thing that happens because people are in a normal mind state, right? Like that's a, a, a thing that happens because people for whatever reason, like hypersuggestibility isn't like a, necessarily an individual characteristic. I don't think as much as it is something that happens um, to you when you're in certain points in your life, right? Like that's the point of it. you. You too could yes, be taken still. in by a cult. Yeah. Anyway, that's I don't know. What you, that, that that was a I guess something that occurred to me just then. I mentioned the the in uh, real life friend, you know, back in 2018, yeah. was trying to get me to help with their, their parents and stuff. I, it, they, they said it was like the same thing. It was just like almost overnight. They started browsing, I think it was like the above top secret forums. And like, and these, these people, like they were boomers and they weren't even like Trump supporters. They were new age types. They liked Gaiam TV and stuff like that. And then it, she said it was like almost overnight. They would just yeah. watch YouTube. I was like, what are YouTubers? They're like, oh, they bake the breads. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's that's part of what allows this to... That's part of what's so frightening about this, right? Because we, we've hit the point now where because of the prominence Q has, um, it's, I think, going to start growing even faster and faster. And it's already been growing at a pretty significant rate. So we're... We're looking at the case where, like, you can make a strong argument that it's the fastest growing religion in the country at the moment. Um, and I am very concerned about the the growth we're going to see over the next, you know, four or five months in particular. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. Like, that's my issue, Sarah, is like, I, I've, I've, most of my reporting on this matter has just sort of been trying to get the work that you and a couple of other people like Travis who seem to have a handle on this, like help, help get that into the, in front of other people's faces. But the question that I've been continually left with is left with is like, what do we do now? Yeah, but that's the question everybody's asking me. Yes. Like, well, so what do we, I do? <laughs> solve this and problem I mean, right now on our podcast, Sarah. Yes. I, I need you to deprogram my mom. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, deprogramming uh, isn't what you think it is. Deprogramming means like locking them in a room and like playing Jacob's Ladder and starving them and basically abusing them back to what you think they were before. Yeah, so, that is something people... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people believe that that is a more like it started in I think that like modern kind of concept of cultic deprogramming started in 1977 with that guy Benji Carroll, um, who was um, a member of the Unification Church, which is like a, a South Korean New Age Christian mom, uh, movement. They're called the the Moonies is the other thing people call them. Um, they actually own the Washington Times, if you're aware of that particular propaganda mouthpiece. Um, so this guy like gets kind of drawn up in this cult and a bunch of his friends um, fly down from Quebec and like meet him at a hotel in San Francisco and hold him captive for days and as, to quote unquote deprogram him. Um, and like what they did to him is was is not what you'd call like a like a like a nice thing. Um, and like that's I guess part of the problem because like deprogramming became more popular after this and people would like hi hi hire deprogrammers who, a lot of whom were very sketchy individuals themselves. And it's, um, 
a lot of the same techniques involved in deprogramming that like cults use to kind of bring people. Like it, it was all very shady set of affairs. Um, and I, I don't think people realize the extent to which that's still kind of the entire um, de-radicalization, deprogramming. Like a lot of it is um is a mix of grifters and people who are just kind of different. I don't know. It, it, a lot of it's very unsettling. Like when you start talking about trying to very quickly alter someone's mind. I think, uh, and when people are talking about like just deprogramming in the popular sense, what they're really talking about, uh, they're talking about things like exit counseling, exit groups. Uh, they're talking about like a strategic intervention approaches and things like that. You know, they're talking about your Picciolini's, your Stephen Hassan's, things like that. Exit USA, exit UK, things like that. They're not talking about like 1979, Ted Patrick, uh, go kidnap my son back from Children of God or whatever and lock him in a room stuff. But they, they don't know the history of the anti-cult movement. And since they don't know the history, they don't really know it's like brainwashing and deprogramming that's all they know so what what do you think actually helps here like that's the kind of question i'm left with is like how do you you have so many people who believe who, who are locked in a set of beliefs that are fundamentally incompatible with the survival of our society, right? Like if you have millions of people who think that there's a vast pedophilic conspiracy that reaches every level of government and has uh, been embedding um, uh, messages to society uh, in every sort of form of media imaginable, that can't go on forever, can it? Like, so, but, so what do we, what, I I don't know. I keep asking you what we do, but. Right, because there's so many, it's, so many people now and i feel like if if the things that we've been talking about today uh were more known way 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 earlier on it might have at least dampened it just because you have these instead of pushing people away making fun of them dismissing it encouraging people to like reach out and just be as compassionate as possible and as patient as possible to help these people but now the individual level what can you do when there are so many people um across the globe now yeah sorry i was just like i mean what do you think i was trying to do like two and a half years ago what do you think i I was so desperate and weird like read robert j lifton read margaret singer talk to stephen hassan like at least could could you explain who those people are in kind of brief and what you think people would would get out of them because this is this is i think one of the um one of the things that was difficult in sort of getting what you were talking about this group two and a half years ago or so um, out to people is that uh, the understanding you have of it and sort of the research that people do into groups like this is so nuanced um, that folks just don't have much of it. People don't really understand cults. Um, And so, yeah, like when, when you're like, it's not enough to say you got to read these people because most people aren't going to read them. What is it? Like, what is the, like, okay, so the thing that I always try to think about when I'm trying to explain something, like 8chan, right, like in 2019, when there's all these shootings going on, and I'm trying to explain this very complicated and strange thing that's happened on the internet to a group of people who are never going to look much deeper into it than whatever thousand-word article I've written is like, how can I, how can I lay the critical concepts out to people, um, 
without who are not going to look much further into this. And I guess what are the critical concepts from those individuals? Like, what is it when you say you need to read Stephen Hassan? What is it that you've gotten from his work that has influenced your understanding of this movement? Instead of Hassan, let's walk it back to Lifton. Okay, okay, so who, Robert and, and J. who Lifton, is Lifton? Yeah. Yeah, Robert J. Lifton. I mean, he's basically the godfather of, of what we know as like cultic studies. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's, he's this amazing psychologist. He was the one who accidentally gave us the term brainwashing to begin with, with all this. Uh, he was doing these re- like research projects into uh, prisoners of war, you know, uh, communist re education camps, things like that. And he, he authored this thing called the psychology of totalism. And uh, brainwashing, you know, that term came about from psychology of totalism. You don't actually have to read the entire book. You just have to look at, at the, the little principles, the guiding principles he's laid out for what he called totalist groups. And I think it's like maybe eight or nine points. I think maybe it's like three pages at the very most, depending on what edition you buy. You can find it online for free at like the Cult Studies Institute or the International Cultic Studies. I just think like. Oh, yeah. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's even on Wikipedia. You can no, just you go control. look. Mystical yeah. manipulation, demand oh. for purity, confession, sacred science, loading the language, doctrine over person, dispensing of existence. And QAnon yep. is already at dispensing of existence. QAnon has already decided. You you get you're worthy of salvation. You're fake news media. You're a shill. Yeah. Yeah. There's an element of like that's a, a lot of where this started, right? Because they've been ta- trying to prepare each other from the beginning for like the day. It's their day of the rope, right? The the Nazis have this day of the rope where like they've been excited for forever that like they're going to get to hang and execute all the journalists and the race traitors and the people in you know interna- interracial relationships and stuff. Um, and with QAnon, it's kind of what you were saying earlier. Like there, there's all these there's a lot of anti-Semitism and stuff buried in this, but it, it's just not they um. They don't frame it exactly the same way, uh, and and you've got yes. like they're they're talking about when they talk about these tribunals, they're talking about the day of the rope. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, within sort of a, a somewhat different context. So I, I don't think people, I think people, I think people. One of the things that like led made it take so long for people to take this seriously is that they the folks were sort of laughing at how silly the claims this group was making were, and not that this group was saying that like at some point there will be a moment where there are mass trials and executions, and that's our whole, that's the thing we're all working towards. Right, it was violent from the beginning, uh, but it was also silly from the beginning. Um, And it was hard to sort of, yeah, look at at that whole picture. QAnon is basically like an extremely online posse comitatus. Yeah, and the posse comitatus was a a right-wing... Like movement in the uh, it was the ninety early nineties, right? In the eighties, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I mean, boom. Yeah. And and that tied in a lot to sort of the uh, a lot of what was happening in kind of the militia culture in the United States around the time that that our, a friend of the podcast Timothy McVeigh was um getting up to the stuff he got up Jesus, to. Jesus, Robert. Yeah. What? Talking about Timmy Tim's. Good old Tim. Keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Jimothy McVeigh's evil twin brother. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's weird because like a lot of what's happening with QAnon, it's just sort of um, it's like it's like somebody took this old car and they've 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 repainted it. Um, 
which I guess is kind of what what has been continuously happening with these groups from the beginning, because like you can find a lot of similarities between uh, even the sovereign citizens and some of the U.S. fascists in like the 1920s and whatnot. So like a lot of this, I don't know. There's certain things that appeal to people. What do you think is what What are the things that strike you as like most important that are new about what we're seeing with QAnon? Uh, I think it, it might be just the introduction of the new age stuff in, into that milieu that already resembles, you know, the far right, anti-tax protesters, sovereign citizen, patriot militia, Christian identity stuff from like the 80s and the 90s up until OKC. Okay, but now you've got this, this new age element to it and a lot more uh, conspiracies. I mean, they're, like, yeah. they're, they're incorporating everything. They're incorporating Nassara, Gesara. And uh, the the Galactic Federation of Light, the Ashtar Shirin, like the aliens that that look like Nordic Ubermenches or whatever. Which is like, this has been sort of a, a common thing. Like, this has been like a common sort of thread in the the conspiratorial U.S. Uh, uh, like subculture for a very long time. Like, like the, the like these are the these are the folks who would set up like um, take like a lot of them would take over little small towns in New Mexico and stuff, right? And like have their their UFO conventions and they'd, you know, uh, march outside of like Roswell or whatever. Um, like w- what is sort of the significance of, cause th- these have always been such like a fringe thing. Like the people who believe in all these different, this like very detailed cosmology of aliens. Um, it's never struck me as a huge movement. What do you think it is about sort of pulling all that stuff in with a lot of conspiracies that sound very similar to like shit the Nazis believed, right? Like stuff that's basically the 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 protocols of the elders of Zion. Like what is it about merging all this stuff that makes it so much more viral? Because like I felt like I could pretty safely ignore, you know, most of kind of the UFO community um for quite a while. And I, I guess I'm curious, like, why Why do you think that sort of the merger of that stuff with kind of a lot of more, like, traditionally far-right kind of conspiracies is so, um, makes it so virulent? Honestly, I don't know, because I, it, it's not new to me. Seeing yeah. these things come together and blend together, it's not new to me. I'm an Om Shinrikyo expert, and I also happen to know quite a bit about other far-right movements that have been blending these sort of esoteric things together for a while up to and including the outer space stuff so it's like it's it's weird to y'all like from where i'm sitting right so i i started paying attention to like the kind of different conspiratorial subcultures in the united states in the late 1990s my introduction was a guy called robert anton wilson who was kind of um lovingly making fun of a lot of what was happening um, right? Like he was a guy who was clearly interested in a lot of the, this conspiratorial subculture without taking it too seriously. And in the late nineties, early two thousands, you watch a lot of documentaries about these people, folks who went to the conventions that they held, and you can see some of the Nazi stuff. You can see some of the scary stuff going on in these UFO, um, uh, cults and sort of these other, like the channeling and, and, and whatnot, like the people who are, are supposedly like, uh, acting as mouthpieces for alien intelligences and stuff, all of which has kind of, yeah, gotten uh, absorbed into this catamari of QAnon now. And there weren't a tremendous number of them. Um, and a lot of them, like there, there's some good Louis Theroux documentaries from around the turn of the century, um, where he's kind of meeting a bunch of these people, and most of them are kind of living on the edge of substance um, in some weird chunk of, like, the Southwest. Um, and I'm, 
I'm curious as to how this all exploded to the point where now um, these are not really fringe movements anymore. Um, and I, I, I'm looking for is like is the is the explanation as simple as the internet like added uh, fertilizer to this shit, or or is there something more about our times? Like what what is it that's made this all? I don't know. I guess no one has an exact answer here, but I'm curious for your thoughts. I think it's both. I think well, we've got high-speed internet. We've got social media. Even very, very lonely people who didn't leave their house before the epidemic, they might be very alone, but they're, they're not really alone because they're connected. We're all connected now. We're connected, but we're still alone. So that's part of it. But also, I mean, we were around in 1999 when you had your, your big Y2K panic and stuff like that. Yeah. You had that little spike in, uh, you know, theopolitical, uh, millenarianist, uh, you know, fuckery back then. All these weird little groups popping up. You know, the comet's going to come or it's going to be the end of the world or God's going to come back or the aliens are going to come, blah, 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 blah. And you just, everybody was... It, it, the concept wasn't as awkward or as strange then because, you know, it's the turn of the millennium. Who knows, right? It's almost like that's coming back 20 years later. Yeah, it and does feel... mainstream acceptance. What's the like, awake? I mean, that's why they call it the awakening, right? Like, that's yeah. this is a, a, a rebirth, a burst into, like, a new world. Um, I think even, like, I... The internet, the isolation, and just sort of the the lack of uh, meaning, maybe. I, I, uh, you're talking about like the alien stuff. I keep seeing these TikToks from like teenagers about being uh, star seeds. Are you familiar with star seeds? Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's like it's clearly cult stuff, and pe- and like people who are running cults, like taking advantage of these young people to sort of like make them feel like special and connected in a way that I think people are striving for and uh, the internet just gives so many tools to people to, to prey on this Welcome to the worst year ever We'll get through it together or not With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. 
So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So one of the things that I guess uh, I, I, I think back to a lot, y- y'all remember a, a book series called Left Behind? I'm sure you do, Sarah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirk Cameron, yeah. right? Well, he was in the movie version. Um, right, right. I mean, that's, who I, yeah. that's who I associate with with it. because. And that, that was kind of like, prior to QAnon, the most mainstream, like, um, the most mainstream apocalyptic Christian, uh, 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 like indoctrination that I think that yeah, that, like the like bla- so blatantly, we're like here's yeah, what we like my mom think gave and me some want of those is going to for Christmas, yeah, right, right, because it's not just uh, yeah, it's not fantasy, it's uh, not just what they believe will happen, but what they want to happen. Yes. Yeah, it does seem that one of the things we're seeing with QAnon is a lot of that same kind of apocalyptic urges, that desire to. Um, believe that the end of things is coming, which I think is tied to, and I think some of the growth in QAnon is tied to this kind of broad understanding that almost everyone has that um, this can't go on forever, right? Like things are not healthy and that can't continue forever. And there's a number of, right. like if you, if, you, if you kind of feel that in your bones, there's a number of ways you can interpret it. You can try to like analyze it or study it historically or, or, you know, understand the material conditions and like how they like how that might be a literal truth, or you can kind of let that feeling take you places. And it does feel like that's an aspect of what's happening. Like it's, it's an aspect of kind of what was, what's happening every time you have these, these sort of Christian um, apocalyptic movements come up because they've happened before in the past. And it's always at times when, the fundamental order that sort of uh, had had shaped culture was was in the process of crumbling and giving way to something new, um, and I, I it it does seem like that that has to be a part of what's happening, right? Is you've got this gut understanding that things must be that things are on the edge of shifting, and this is for whatever reason the easiest thing for a, a, a subset of the population to imagine about what is coming next. Om was just one of you know hundreds of these new religious movements that that were popping up in Japan and taking off in the eighties and the nineties, right? I said the thing is Japanese society and Japanese pop culture. If you look, they were they were not just enamored with seemingly the concept of the end of the world. They just sort of accepted it. That a lot of people were thinking like, hey, you know. Maybe this Nostradamus stuff, maybe there's something to it. 
maybe maybe the world really will end. Kids were even like <laughs> going to school and then they were hearing about the prophecies of Nostradamus for the first time and they'd come home scared. And enough of that happened where like it was a little boom on its own. Things like ESP, telekinesis, yoga, levitation, all of these things sort of coalesced at the time. So Om wasn't even really, like, Om didn't really stand out that much, except like it was a little weirder because they were obsessed with Asahara. But the thing is, they though, were obsessed with what? Shoko Asahara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to need you, you're going to need to be a little, explain kind of the basics a little bit more here. So Shoko Asahara was the, like, the I don't know, he, he, most people would say he was the cult leader behind Om yes. Shinriko. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was the absolute God figure. Yeah. And they were obsessed with him like that. But and, what I'm trying to get at, though, yeah, it's sort of the same things happening here now. We're opening, like, we're open to a lot of weird stuff right now, and it does not feel like the end isn't that far fetched. Yeah, and when the end feels like it's happening, anything yeah. can happen. When we've been told for so long, I mean, like, there are real there are real problems that we face. Um, obviously, like the most uh, prevalent one. In terms of like the world is gonna like it's cl climate change has been looming for a long, long, long time. But I think also like with, at least with American culture, we've always been sort of told that the world is probably gonna end. Uh, not sure how, not sure when, but uh, we absorb and consume so uh, voraciously like the like all these post-apocalyptic movies, dystopian movies. Um, whether it's Independence Day or just or any sort of thing that sort of creates this uh, expresses an anxiety, I think, from decades ago of like something's going to happen, something's going to happen. And then we absorb that and not only expect it, but like some people want it to happen. Um, and now we're in this state where uh, literally the guy who has been uh, for decades in these dystopian movies, the example of like a bad dystopian president, he's the president now. Um, and we have all these looming uh, disasters and current disasters, and it sort of feeds into this uh, expectation, I guess, um, as well as uh, sort of a desire for, for some people to, to get there. Mm -hmm. And to compare it to Japan again during the, the 80s and 90s and the time of the Ulm Affair, uh, their society, their economic bubble was busting because they had been doing really well economically, but then all of a sudden that economic bubble was starting to bust. Uh, that they were worried about like the, the breakdown of the traditional family unit because everyone was having mm. to work more. Kids weren't going to school. Kids were starting to fight the teachers. Maybe sometimes the teachers would even kill the students. It's kind of just sort of feels like everything's a little upside down on top of the, the other things that I discussed. So it was the beginning of the lost generation. And like, there are it's parallels. hard. Like, yeah, there's definitely parallels because like it, it, it's kind of, I don't think anyone would have trouble believing that like we're seeing kind of a lost generation situation happen here. You've got like this, this huge group of young people who school just shut down. Um, any chance at, at starting a career for most of them is, is kaput right now. Um, and there's been like the story of their their lives previous to that the folks who are kind of a little bit older in their 20s and th early 30s has been collapse after collapse the idea that everyone's living 
Like we've all been living on the edge of collapse one way or the other for a long time. So kind of bracing or expecting that is the, um, I don't know, like that, that, that's the, uh, there's what people need right now is a vision of what comes after everything falls off a cliff because everybody knows that the cliff is coming, right? Um, Mm -hmm. QAnon is a number of different people are trying to all offer that, right? Like Marxists are trying to offer that with their own kind of, you know, beliefs about like what, what, what is going to be like, what's going to happen with our culture and like the way that, that, that things happen historically. Um, you know, obviously like the, like mainstream political parties try to offer that too in their own way. And for whatever reason, the version of what's going to happen, what the collapse is going to be and like what's going to happen after it, that this, that QAnon's offering seems to be a hell of a lot more compelling to larger groups of people than any of the other stuff. It's also very comforting. Yeah, and I guess that's hard. To them, them it's less bleak because they're the winners, right? They are in, they're in, they'll be fine. And all of the bad people will be dead. And everyone right. will know that they were right all along. Right, but every like most of the other visions of like whatever is whatever is going to happen and whatever it's going to look like, uh, they're more realistic. Um, and they're harder. They're more complicated. Uh, it's not as easy as just saying like, oh yeah, you're not one of the you know the de- demon satanic pedophile government employees, so you'll be fine. And that's that makes it really easy to accept. <sighs> yeah. I don't feel great about where we're headed. Yeah, but they they're the really scary people want you to feel that way and they want you to sort of envision it as like a cliff scenario. They they want you, they need you to be, you know, that black pilled or or that fatalistic. It it really only mm-hmm. benefits the scary people. You need to have hope. And I'm not just trying to like pander or peddle like a false hope and say that things aren't going to be scary or whatever. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously I will. But one of the things that you could do to, to help counter some of this stuff is like you got to give people some sort of vision of, of like a realistic hope. So, like, yep. maybe instead of saying it's a cliff, they give it more like a wave or a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even get a waterfall. You're still falling, but it's not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but maybe it'll be one of those waterfalls in like the Jumanji movie. Well, right, you it's a waterfall, but we're all we're all all of us, even the people who are uh, getting involved in Q, we're all in the river headed towards it, and we can help each other make barrels for each other to make that uh, fall down the waterfall a little better. Yeah, let's all make some barrels. I think that is you're hitting on something really important there, because I think that's the problem that a lot of like serious political thinkers have. And it's a problem that journalists have. Right. Like folks talk about how as a journalist, you shouldn't be like all you should do is kind of describe the things that are happening um, in as as much sort of raw accuracy as you can. And sometimes that actually leads if the goal is to speak truth to to power um, and speak truth in general Sometimes doing that leads people away from the truth, because if all you're doing is reporting what's happening in kind of the rawest and most um, factually accurate sense, um, that can lead people into the arms of something like QAnon, because you're not providing them with anything else but cold, hard reality, which 
um, may lead them in a state of sort of anxiety and fear and hopelessness to embrace something that's 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 very wrong. Um, which is why I think there does need to be kind of more social responsibility in the people who are reporting and the way that people are reporting. Like I, I don't think raw facts are always the most helpful thing. I think you need to be providing people um, with with more than that if you're going to be a responsible sort of um, uh, uh, person of influence within kind of the broader culture. Um, I, I think that's that's necessary. People need something that people need a sense of possibility um in order to make them resilient to stuff like this they need a sense that that things um that they need a sense of hope and a sense of i can be a part of something um hopeful uh, otherwise they're going to get caught up in one of these things that provides that to them sorry you were talking about just like raw facts and stuff and and that sort of fatalistic thing but uh, some of the journalists, and especially some of the journalists on, you know, this particular beat or whatever, covering the really scary things. Yeah. They, some of them maybe sensationalize it. And I'm not saying sensationalize it in the sense of they, they overstate the dangers or whatever, because obviously the danger is very real. Yes. So I'm not trying to say that, but the, the, the sensationalism just whips up maybe more of a frenzy. So, like, it, if you could take maybe a bit of a more, I don't know, empathetic approach sometimes. Mm-hmm. And think maybe people on our end of things might be a little less scared. Yeah. How do you, if if you were approached, say, by, like, um, I don't know, editor-in-chief at the New York Times who said, Sarah, uh, we, we're trying to, we want to cover QAnon, um, and we're concerned with the way we've been covering it. Like, what do you think we should look into and write about in order to um, kind of present the thing that you think is missing in sort of mainstream coverage of this movement right now? Where would you send them? I'd, I'd send them to uh, some of the key researchers like Travis and some of the moderators of the, uh, the support subreddit for the, for the families. Yeah, and that's a subreddit where people who have like lost family members to this, yes. you know, uh, uh, talk about what that's like. Yeah. Yes, I'd send them to them. I've I've sent some uh, major media people to to those contacts. Uh, people like uh, at Poker Politics on Twitter, Poker and Politics. Uh, they're a key researcher and a moderator of that subreddit. They've helped people get out of on, and they they just talk to people who were dealing, you know, struggling with losing their families and stuff. And maybe you could like tell some of those stories, stories of people who got out stories of people who are like, just coming to terms with what's happening, things like that. You could start there. You could talk to other uh, cultic abuse survivors and uh, their former neo-Nazis and things like that. And not just the famous ones. Talk to some of the ones who aren't out there on the lecture circuit and the ones who aren't out there at book deals or TV shows or whatever. Like, talk to the normal people, the average. Yeah, people. right, right. People who got out and they're living their normal lives again. Yeah. Well, I guess that's as good a note to kind of close things up on. This has been us trying to talk through whatever the hell is happening um, yeah. because it's uh, confusing and worrying, uh, but not hopeless, maybe. Maybe not hopeless. No. We might survive no. the year. No, is just a waterfall. Just a waterfall. Like We're fine. Yeah, it's all good. 
Um, I was very quiet for a lot of this because I ha had internet issues and kept getting yeah. logged in and out. So I'm excited to re-listen to most of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very grateful for you taking time out of your day to chat with us. Um, I'm just the parts that I heard were very interesting. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Like I talk to Barbara and Cody sometimes, but uh, this is actually my first time uh, meeting you and Sophie. So I'm actually really happy about that. <laughs> it's me too. It's so nice to meet you. I'm, I'm sorry that my internet is choosing today to kick me in and out of this room. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's one thing we've learned about 2020, uh, we can shoot cars and satellites and stuff into space, but having four people communicate for an hour or so, um, via the internet um, is bound to not going to happen. Horrific issues. It's yeah, virtually no, impossible. Yeah. Um, but Disgusting you guys idea. can check us up. out online. Yes. That's consistent. All right. Well, at Worst Year Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and follow all of us and stuff like that if you want. If you want. And I think I got kicked out again. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. You asshole. And Sarah, you, is there anything you want to plug you. at the end here? Is there anything that you want to plug, Sarah? Oh, is there anything I personally want to plug? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actually. Um, I want y'all to go subscribe to The Informant, Nick Martin's newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all should go stay in The Informant if you want like good coverage, empathetic yeah. coverage. If you want to feel good about the year, y'all go Nick, stay in Nick, Nick Martin. Martin rules yeah um, he's the best he gives yeah, me hope every day one of the very hmm. best within the field of looking at um looking at looking at nazi type folks and being like what's going on what's going on over here <laughs> he's what's a good with that yeah i'm gonna cyber bully him and get a shrimp dinner so y'all go y'all go subscribe to the informant all right subscribe yeah. to the informant so that sarah can eat shrimp um i am going to eat some shrimp myself Mm. metaphorical shrimp i don't know what that means what what i think you're trying to say because <laughs> it kicked katie out of the zoom meeting again fantastic um, um, i love technology uh is that you can follow us at worst your pod on twitter and instagram you can follow katie at katie stole you can follow cody at dr mr cody you can follow robert on twitter at i write okay we have a t public store uh, fuck the man Lovely. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency, where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch, so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.